0: Greetings and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on vhha.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also are each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 8.20 a.m. across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to Podcast at VHH.com. Again, that's Podcast at vhj.com. And today, we're excited to be joined by Dr. Max Luna, a UVA health cardiologist who helped establish the Latino Health Initiative that has worked alongside community partners to boost COVID-19 vaccination rates among Latinos in the Charlottesville area. The some of the highest in the state, we'll chat about that effort and much more. But first, welcome to the program, Dr. Luna.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, we appreciate you being with us. And so let's get right into it and discuss the Latino Health Initiative, which, as I understand, has been around for a while and involves a group of stakeholders, but has ramped up some of its work around the COVID-19 vaccine and efforts to enhance vaccination rates. Uh, I know that in many communities, including um, in black and brown communities, there's been some vaccine hesitancy uh, among these distinct communities and constituencies. So if you would, Dr. Luna, can you tell us about the work and evolution of the Latino Health Initiative and some of the tactics that have been used to educate people about the vaccine and the positive results of that work?
1: Happy to do so. Yes, our initiative, uh, Latino Health Initiative, or in Spanish, Iniciativa de Salud Latina, the UVA, has been around for four years. We founded it in 2017 after five years of community health experience in the Central Virginia area in our Latino community through a coalition of community organizations, UVA Health System and UVA Greater Organization, and the Health District. And through that time, we've learned the challenges that the Latino community goes through day and day out and in and the need to mitigate the social determinants of health that our community has. So through this eight years experience, we think with our community partners we have gained a significant amount of trust and that that is the beginning of any successful community health effort is trust and buy-in by the community. As soon as COVID-19 arrived, We knew that our community members were going to be challenged by this pandemic through limited access to healthcare, limited access to testing, limited access to employment, unemployment benefits, limited understanding of the disease. So we really needed to work with UVA on prepare for bridging that gap that was going to come. We worked early on community vaccination, access to healthcare, education in the community, in regarding prevention, and in November, we knew that the vaccine was about to be both published scientifically as well as approved, and we needed to get our community ready to take this opportunity as we saw it as the light at the end of the tunnel. We began in January by organizing a vaccine campaign, and after that, we joined region-wide campaign on education and prevention, but we continued focus on language-proficient, cultural-competent messaging to the community. We created and built two focus groups to get really deep insight on the understanding of the vaccine and the mistrust of the vaccine in January. We shared reliable information in social media. We shared print material in 26 different Latinx community stores and restaurants, that Latinos attend to. And we have had seven Latinx community educational town halls on social media trying to answer questions, clarify doubts, mitigate hesitation. And more importantly, on those same sessions, we provided information about how to get access to vaccination. And our next effort was work on getting that vaccine to the
0: community. Do you wish you could focus on practicing medicine without all the distractions? Coveris is here to help. As a leader in medical professional liability insurance with more than 45 years experience, Coveris provides insurance protection with data-driven predictive modeling to help you mitigate the risk of claims. By combining insurance protection with risk analytics services, you can reduce distractions and focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. Coverus is reinventing what you should expect from your medical professional liability provider. Find out all Covaris can offer you at Covaris.com. That's C O V E R Y S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries, Boston, Massachusetts. Well, you mentioned trusted voices, and that's so critical in any kind of outreach to communities of interest, is speaking to those individuals from the position of folks that they know that that are addressing their specific and unique concerns. So I appreciate that perspective. And you mentioned social determinants of health, and I wonder, Dr. Luna, as you think about the progress made so far in this initiative, how do you see that fitting into broader efforts to get at some of the root causes of health disparities in ethnic minority communities related to issues that you mentioned, like access to care uh, and those social factors that are so impactful to health outcomes?
1: Yes. COVID-19 has been an unfortunate experience for people of color. However, it has lent itself to reflect and work on these community health disparities. Many of us already know these challenges. We learned more about them during COVID 19. Many more people, departments, programs, and institutions learn about these challenges and now are considering these health disparities in every uh, moment of their work. People like pharmacists, we partner with pharmacies to provide more than 120,000 vaccines in the Central Virginia region. More than 4,000 Latinos have been vaccinated. And now a pharmacist that has A very limited exposure to community health. They have a very clear view of what does a Latino or a person of color brings to their pharmacy in regard to their social background, access to isolation, access to understanding of medications. So, this has sensitized every single person from the most junior to the most senior person on the social determinants of health that need attention in any field of work, and um, we're seeing already meeting after meeting after meeting on post COVID programs that will be addressing these challenges that our people of color live day in and day out.
0: You're absolutely right. We are seeing greater attention and emphasis on specific challenges uh, affecting communities of interest and on the social determinants of health. As I'm sure you know, there's been an ongoing partnership between the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association and the Virginia Department of Health and its members, the Partner for Healthy Virginia initiative, which is focused on on some of these same issues. So it, it really is encouraging to hear that these efforts are happening in so many different places around the Commonwealth. Going back to COVID specifically, as a cardiologist, Dr. Luna, I wonder what insight you might be able to share about the rare incidence of chest pain and heart inflammation documented among teenagers and young adults as a side effect of getting the COVID vaccine. Again, we should note that there these are rare side effects and the conventional wisdom remains that the benefits of the vaccine far outweigh the risk. But for people who have Read these headlines uh, may have concerns or fears. What would you say to help allay those concerns?
1: That is been a very interesting experience. This past month, we first need to understand people's fears. We need to respect them. We need, we cannot minimize them. And we ask them, "What is your greatest fear about it? What have you heard about it?" And then we mitigate the misinformation that may be about the vaccine related to myocarditis or not. We clarify the information. And then we balance the benefit and the risk. We tell this parent, as you know, our children are the most precious thing that we have Mm -hmm. in our life. And we um, need to clarify to the parent and to the child itself that the risk of developing myocarditis is 1% to 2% in people that develop COVID and is 1% in 50,000 or less in a young person getting the vaccination. So, the risk in finding yourself in the ICU with myocarditis due to COVID is significantly higher than finding yourself in the ICU after COVID vaccine-related myocarditis. We are aware that the younger the person is, the higher the risk of myocarditis, and we are awaiting the data day-to-day on more uh, adolescents getting vaccinated to see if these numbers are going to increase. And more importantly, the data on younger than 12 years old. Is the rate going to increase significantly that we need to be more cautious about uh, the vaccine in the uh, in the future in, in the young kids? I anticipate that's not going to be the case. I think it's going to remain on the low side. For instance, at the moment, for a million kids 12 and 17 that get vaccinated, we will see around 60 myocarditis, but we will see... 6,000 COVID-19 cases on another million people that would not get vaccinated. So the risk is low compared to the risk of getting COVID and 1% or 2% of ending with myocarditis related to COVID infection. So the risk is significantly low due to the vaccination.
0: I appreciate you providing some important context and perspective around some of the news headlines. We are recording this on July 1st, so we just ended June yesterday. June is Men's Health Month, and as a cardiologist, Doctor Luna, uh, I wonder what advice you might have for men regarding staying on top of their overall health and heart health. We certainly know that statistics suggest that men, on average, put off doctor's visits, don't do uh, preventative care, certainly uh, not at the at the levels that healthcare providers would suggest. So, what tips might you offer, uh, folks? Um, who are thinking about getting healthy, um, you know, or or just about improving or maintaining their health?
1: Thank you. I- important topic. Uh, our particularly Latinx men, unfortunately, consider primary care for their health a uh, very secondary. They consider providing to their family first, being stable at work, not missing work opportunities. So uh, they put the preventive measures down in the list of priorities. COVID. And all this prevention education that we have been doing for the past year, I think has sensitized people on the concept of prevention, on behavior to prevent illnesses. And our next effort should be on, okay, we have learned how to prevent COVID. We have learned how to be in the community and gain trust with the right message. And that is how we should go back to the community with other health preventive measures. In matters of cardiovascular health, the recommendation that I usually comes to mind first is physical activity. If you are more active, if you exercise with the purpose of letting your active work on the side, letting your concerns at home or on aside, and go out there in a nice brisk walk or a jog, will have mental and cardiovascular health to benefit
0: mm-hmm.
1: way higher than your weight, way higher than your actually presence of hypertension, because exercise with mental and cardiovascular health will have a positive impact on your mental health, on your behavior. Your smoking cessation opportunities will be a enhanced success if you are physically fit and exercising on a regular basis. There's a, an effect on other health behaviors if you're exercising on a regular basis. So exercise is what I come to tell my patients, my community, and the challenges is one, do you have a time for exercise? Do you have a healthy environment and neighborhood to exercise? Are you safe around your neighborhood? So those are the social determinants of health that are challenged mm-hmm. when we start talking about exercising. We need to keep that in the perspective.
0: Great advice there. I appreciate you offering that. And now that we've tackled the serious stuff, Dr. Luna, I do have a few other questions for you to give our listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond your work. The first, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you could anticipate your final day on Earth, what would your last meal be?
1: Well, I've been, <laughs> been talking so much about a healthy lifestyle that I have learned <laughs> to enjoy and actually enjoy a very rich Mediterranean meal that has a lot of grains, olive oil, half a glass of wine. I've learned to enjoy it. And that's what I would choose at that moment, that hopefully hypothetical moment.
0: Yes, absolutely. Many years from now. What's one post-COVID thing that you're most looking forward to being able to do?
1: This may sound a a bit cliche, but COVID-19 has hit me and many others in our guts regarding health disparity and how we respond to them. Uh So I look forward to community health events where our people of color see us in their communities with trust and enhanced relationships telling us, yes, these organizations, these people, UVA, really responded the right way when this tremendous health crisis arrived to our doorsteps. I'm just looking forward to that, Mm -hmm. to feel like people can look at us and say, yeah, these people, these organizations did the right thing at the right moment.
0: Mm -hmm. Until something, as they say, something's taken away, you you, you focus on the importance of it. And those community health fairs, those community health screening events, you know, those are important to a lot of people. Instead of so be able to see people face-to-face and interact with them and get that feedback, I'm sure it's very valuable. Mm-hmm. And then, yes. finally, Dr. Luna, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So, other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks?
1: A simple read that I read over and over again, short, share with my children, is The Little Prince.
0: Mm-hmm. So I lived all
1: alone without anyone I could really talk to until I had to make a crash landing in the Sahara Desert six years ago. That has so much insight into our common life scenarios mm-hmm. and uh, principles of how to live your life. I would love to have access to my favorite soccer games. Goal! Goal! I'm an avid soccer fan, uh, international uh, or national. So I, uh, my wife would not uh, trust me if I don't bring up uh, my passion to soccer okay. into a list of things that I'd like to have in my last days in a desert island.
0: Okay. And then what What would be one album you'd want to take with you?
1: Album. I enjoy uh, music. I'm not a fan of album after album, but, but I think uh, uh, music that connects me back to my Latino life. I'm from Guatemala. I love, we have a wonderful sort of a soft rock singer called Ricardo Arjona that's become an internationally renowned uh-huh. singer that uh, I welcome people to look it up. Ricardo Arjona would be my album that I would uh, try to play at the desert island yeah
0: okay well listen i do want to thank you for taking a few minutes to be with us today out of uh, i'm sure a busy schedule appreciate all the work that uh, you have been doing with the latino health initiative and with that that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the virginia hospital and healthcare association patients come first podcast series if you like what you heard please make sure to leave us a five-star review on apple podcast and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available we want to once again thank our guest dr max luna a uva health cardiologist for joining us today so thank you sir
1: Thank you so much, Julianne.